Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, a podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. Hope you're doing okay in lockdown. If you are interested in us answering a question or uh, talking about a topic that you'd like to send in, um, go to neilkohacker.com slash podcasts, $10 a month for a question. $30 a month for a topic, and all money will go straight to charity. Jordan was just munching on some carrots. He's uh, he's told me that he only eats vegetables on Mondays. Mm. He's gone full uh, plant-based. Well, not just plant-based, just vegetable-based. On Mondays alone, part-time plant-based. Isn't that sad? Well, look, no, it's not sad. It's awesome. But the the problem is what I'm saying is the sad part is the fact that I don't know if anyone knows this, but metabolisms change. And uh, when I was 20, just the fact that I could be eating Cheetos and I'd look better than what I look now is so pathetic. It's a really sad indictment on the human body. But... Uh, yeah, I'm getting fat. There's, there's well, no Jordan, you need to stop. Head. You need to do some uh, stop doing your uh, quote unquote woman workouts and yeah. start working out like a fucking man, you pussy. And then maybe you wouldn't why, be fat. Why would that? <laughs> no, aren't aren't women workouts aimed at just not being fat? Isn't that the whole point of them? Like, That's in, a part in, of it. wouldn't a man's workout just be about getting fat and then turning that into muscle? That's not really how it works. You, uh, <laughs> you, you don't you don't get fat first and then turn it into muscle. <laughs> you know, you I have no idea. That's how I thought it worked, huh? You build the muscle. Now a lot you build of people the muscle. Put but on, the thing is, mm. you can put on muscle and fat at the same time. You can't turn fat into muscle though. You you lose the fat and then can put on muscle. Um, you can't, there's a way it's, it's, it's a lot harder. You'll be very strict with diet, but you can do, but there's a word for it. I've forgotten, but where you're bo- simultaneously losing fat and gaining muscle, but usually what you'll do is you'll go through your bulking period where you're just trying to, uh, gain mass and, um, in putting on that extra muscle, you, you will put on some excess fat and then you go through a cutting period where you lose that excess fat whilst still maintaining the muscle, but you do not transform uh fat into it doesn't it doesn't suddenly transform into muscle you lose the fat and then you build the muscle right well you'd know it sounds like it's like a much more scientific explanation than don't you just get fat uh so you're probably onto something there do you thank you so you're you're just you're just eating vegetables on a on a monday are you yeah, and I think I'm going to have to move it on to Wednesday as well. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should just go into bulking, but <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just like you're it's beautiful it's at any size. No, dude, I can't believe I'm getting that talk now. I never had that before. I never had the "you're beautiful the way you are" talk. <laughs> That's that's when you know you're not, isn't it? 
when someone says, I like you the way you are. <laughs> yeah, just subtle ways of, of saying, oh, you you're, you're kind of fat. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, you know, she's got a, she's got a great personality. Oh, that's that's, yeah, that's low-key nah. an insult. That's, that's, what, that, that's what you said when you were really mean in primary school. Like, yeah, you, you, well, I like her personality. When you were like so insecure that your friends wouldn't be like, yeah, she's hot. So you just make excuses. Oh, that's bad. Oh, man. And it continues on. So you never get over it. Yeah, because women do that too. Like, oh, he's really nice. Well, that means he's lacking some other things. Yeah. You know what, actually? That the woman would definitely be attracted to you if they're bitching about you to their friends. We're talking about the early stages, by the way. We're not talking about marriage. That's just ending in divorce. But at the beginning, if they're like, he's such a fucking cunt, that means that they're turned on by you. Well, they're expending mental energy on you, so they're thinking about you. So that can be a good sign. Yeah, sure. Can it's be better a good than sign. them not remembering you. But that's what I think nice is translation for. Not memorable. Oh, in that context, yeah. No, I'm talking about like where when someone if someone asks a woman out and she says, Oh, Look, you're really nice, but like, oh, that's just, I'd rather be told you're, you're an asshole because <laughs> that's at least, look, there's some sort of enigma to me, but like, it's just, it's, you don't like it. But having that response, oh, you're just, mm, you're really nice, but no thanks. I feel that like means that's you're just going to get that response. To Absolutely. And you will get that response for the rest yeah. of your life as well. That someone will find you attractive means no one's going to find you attractive. What, as you said, even if that woman's not attracted to you, the fact that they're being like, he's an arsehole, some woman is going to find that attractive. Yeah, you're right. It's a good indicator. I think you are too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've, yeah. Hang on. I think the first girl I ever sort of confessed my love to in year 11. She was just like, uh, oh, I just never saw us as anything more than friends. It's just, a, it's a brutal uh, hit, you know. That's the worst one. I think that that one stings the most. It's a bad one. Yep, that one. Uh, ooh. I don't know why that one hurts more. It takes I, a while. Fact, you know what? Because I don't think that anyone ever seriously says to you, no, fuck off. The only time they ever say that is if you're kind of half joking. No one's that brutal. Most women, if they don't want to date you, they say that. I think that's it. It's just that's the usual if, stock standard. Ooh, that's going to hurt. If you're nice about asking them out, um, but if you are too persistent or uh, entitled or if you're at a club, you can get that cold response. Fuck off. Just with my friends. You know, that kind of, you, get, you, you know, you get those eight g- groups of 18-year-old girls at clubs. I, d- I definitely don't hit on anymore, but when I was 18, 
definitely got a lot of those responses. Yeah. And then I'd always, to protect my ego, I'd always be like, well, you're racist. <laughs> <laughs> and then once I got in an argument with a girl at a clock, it's like, I'm a fucking racist. I'm just not interested. <laughs> no, you're obviously racist. It's fine. Just admit it. <laughs> and then she found me on like social media and then kept the argument going. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, because it was like when I just started doing videos, so um, maybe she, I don't know if she knew me or she then just realized that I was that guy who yelled in his bedroom and then she she, she messaged me on Facebook. Damn. I'm a fucking racist. Fuck you. <laughs> Holy hell. Did you keep it going or were you just like, don't take life so yes. seriously, Bibi? No, I kept, I was like, look, it's fine if you are, just admit it. <laughs> All because I didn't want to, like, take the rejection. <laughs> so sad <laughs> now that I look back. But you know what, though? It's kind of a better strategy than saying, oh, okay, thanks for your time and leaving. She contacted, which meant that <clears throat> you at least got a oh, response, shit. you know? You get that COVID test. <laughs> Yeah, and they'll go in and say, like, no, it was just a piece of carrot lodged in your throat. Wouldn't that be pathetic, <laughs> just staying in the line for three hours for them to say, dude, just can you chew your food properly? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't even want to vaccinate you because uh, we have a, you know, yeah, we want you we've to been ordered to uh, eliminate the idiots from the population. <laughs> <laughs> I like that story, Neil. I think that's awesome. I really, I, I, yeah, actually... I used to use that. I, I would weaponize the racist thing way too much. Um, half as a joke, though. I remember, yeah, yeah. In in high school, uh, it was you know how people would always pick on the substitute teacher. There was one that clearly had low self esteem. If you're a substitute teacher with low self esteem, just End forget it. about that profession. You, you're done. Um, and. Uh, I was asking to go to the bathroom and she let me go, but then I asked to go again like 30 minutes later. I just hated the work. I don't know what we were doing. And she's like, hey, you went. You can't go again. And I'm like, oh, you're being racist. Like, and then she's like, I am not being, excuse me. Like she got really offended by it. Oh, come on. <laughs> because it was just as that, like You are not cut out for a teacher. Jesus, <laughs> you're losing to that. Yeah, you know no, that's you that's the you stock give standard. In to teenage every, boys. You can't give in to teenage boys, and every ethnic kid no. does that. That was the classic Yilmaz yep. move. Did it every time. You, you, always, you, you could yeah. you could tell the weaklings from the 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 seasoned teachers that the champions of their field, because mm. that that was the same thing. They do that, and yeah, they get worried when he'd be like, you just hate Muslims, miss and shit. And then the other ones are just like, yeah, I do fucking hate Muslims. I hate you shutting shit down. Like, just call the bluff. You call the bluff every yeah. time. Of course. You say, yeah, I don't hate Muslims. I just hate you. Sit yeah. down. Um, anything. Just, yeah, put them in their place. We had, a teacher, we had a teacher at our school who lost a job at uh, another school because he said to a Muslim kid, this is a rumor, I don't know how true it is, but he said to a um, Muslim kid, uh, Abdul, stop terrorizing my class. And then he got fired. <laughs> Dude, 
if now, that's I true. Now, I wouldn't blame that guy if he voted Pauline Hanson because it's like you <laughs> lost a job for saying that, man. Like, all right, you you get to vote One Nation. If that, ha- I think that's fair. Like, you can't you can't judge someone then. Yes, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Uh, it's political that's, that's, correctness that's, gone mad if that's the case. Yeah, you're so if right. That's you tr- every if that rumor right. is true, yeah, that's that's just it, that's pretty obscene. <laughs> Such a brutal story. If true, big asterisks. But he came. He got a job at our school, which was a much better school to teach at than uh, the other school. Was just a, was a pretty feral public school. Ours was a selective school, so there's just there was like one fight in our in my whole um, school career, and it was me. <laughs> I got in like a handball fight. There were no other fights in our school. Oh. No, I, I, there was like some, there was posturing, you know. There was like yelling at each other and kind of shoving each other. But I can't remember a, le- a legitimate fist fight. Wow, really? So I went to like a pussy public school. Yeah. Jesus, dude. I'm trying to remember. You should you, look. Hold your head high. That's sick. That look, as, as you said, you went to a selective school. It's it's a big ask, asking for um, anything remotely resembling Bankstown boys, but you got there with my one handball fight. Yeah, and what a play! Two if, punches if, Jesus, if anywhere there is going to be a fight in a selective school. It's going to be in the handball courts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and we were um, across the road from a sports high school and they would bully us. Rel- yeah, the year eights would bully the year 11s from our school. Like, that's how pathetic it was because they're a sports school. I mean, you can't fuck with that. A lot of NRL players came from that school. And who? my school has got me. <laughs> and that's it. So... We were we were really ripe for the picking. Like we were we were very easy targets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I uh, don't want to say too much about that, but I I do very much agree with it. Yeah, I uh, I I, I hooked up with a girl from that other from that sports high school like last year, and for some reason it was just such a big ego boost for me. It was like, yes, the nerd conquered the, the sports school. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. What are you talking about? How many other of the fucking nerds got there? None, right? Not that I know of. So. Not that I know. Like maybe the other way around. Maybe the sports guys yeah. would have probably gotten a bunch of girls. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, dude, sporty guys in high school were just – there was always one. Hot you, 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 there was like a football prodigy, and in year eight he'd be dating year eleven girls. You know, he just. But then, more often than not, by twenty five, it was like you know the dreams over. Your it, it didn't look it it, it 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 didn't look good. If you didn't if you didn't crack it in first grade, ooh. Did he crack it in first grade? There was one in our school. Uh, no, he did not. All your hopes think, are resting on that. I don't think I'm trying to think of any um, sports stars from my high school. 
No, none that come to mind. Any from your? No, no, you went to a performing arts school, so I. Oh no, but because we went there, we had actually quite a few uh, gymnast Olympians. We actually did. I think we had like oh, three. That's cool. But yeah, nothing. No actual sports. Just those bullshit ones that no one actually cares about except every four years. And even then, they don't care about gym. <laughs> Theatre sports. The real sport. Yeah. Yeah, the gentleman's sport. Let's not be honest. Let's yeah, The closet homosexual sport. It's, it's like, Man. it's not a, huh? I used to hate that. The fact that, like, people in the, in, in the arts world would just, like, kind of look down on people who were really into sport. I really detested that. That's just... Yeah, they're cunts. Well, there's just everything about... It's very cunty. But it's not just that, right? Like, it's everything about those people is detestable. It's it's every belief they have is abhorrent. Mm. I I was talking to a a comedian mate of mine who was working in the ABC for a while, and he's a big... um, Well, he's from Perth, so he's a big AFL fan, and he's even bringing up the subject... They wouldn't even. They wouldn't even know. Like, I mean, I don't know much about AFL, but I'm sure I'd be able to hold a conversation with mm. someone who's an AFL fan. But like, they just mm. did, it's like they didn't even want to talk about it. This is according to him, and they didn't want to do any any sort of content based on it. Nothing. It was. That's incredible. That it really just shows uh, the disconnect. Especially, you know what else it shows as well how how insular their thinking is. Uh and is goes a long way to proving what horrible people they are. Because as you were saying, I don't know anything about AFL, but if someone knows about AFL, I want to know about it. Yes, I'm inter- I- if someone's interested in something, I'm going to be interested in it because they know things about it. And that's going to be interesting. But the fact it's that such- they're... Go on, go on. I was just saying, sport is such a major part of Australian culture and to sort of sneer at it as though, oh, it's not... it's. It's not real theatre. Well, yeah, and what are you off. talking about I mean, as well? Like just, what? Yeah, go on. Sorry. It's it's yeah. I just I really hated that mentality. Um, a lot of people don't. You know, there's a lot of people who just don't aren't really into sports, and that's fine. But the ones that are cunts about it are just just an Australian. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Actually, there's there's nothing else that really makes us Australian except for the fact that we love sport an abnormal amount. Yes. So the just, f- the like, look, you don't have to be into it, but to dismiss it is, like, just another indicator of, like, you really should fuck off to London, shouldn't you? The fact that you live in the yeah. ABC, you just wish that you were at the BBC you wish that you were producing, uh, like you know, uh, I don't know, the IT crowd or something. But you, you, you know, you're writing on the weekly. You, you shouldn't be here. You should be in fucking London. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's classist, if anything. It's, it's culturally elite. So yeah, that's I not, agree. That's, you know, that's not, it's not real culture. Look, I like high art. I love uh, uh, intelligent political satire, but I also love NRL. Mm. It's not, there's nothing wrong with either of them. No. 
No, I completely agree. And in fact, I would say that I have been entertained by NRL, having not known anything about it either. I've been entertained by NRL far more often than I've been entertained by quote unquote, high political satire. If anything, yeah, most of the time it's made me want to throw up. Yeah, there's a lot of really bad high political satire. Don't you think? Like, high comedy. Hmm. So much of it is trash. Whereas, like, every footy match I've ever yeah. seen, there's always one run where it's like, unbelievable, half the way down the field. You can't help but be like, ah. Yeah, it's, you a, know? it's a great sport. Uh, yeah, near the tail end of the season. Was it? Panthers were looking good um, for most of the season. And then the Storm, as always. Um, Stormed on in. Just, uh, yeah, they're looking the goods. Uh, South Sydney are, are, are up there. Manly are up there. Parramatta have really fallen off. And Roosters are a possibility, but they're, uh, they're struggling with a lot of injuries. Um, the fact that they've gotten this far, that they're you know, within the frame for the top four with all the injuries they've had, very impressive. And as always, Dragons showed some promise early on in the season and faltered as they always do. They had a, you know what, you'll laugh at this, Jordan. Um, during all the COVID rules, yeah. they, uh, it, was, it was midway through the season. They had a bye the next week. At the end of the game, the coach said, all right, don't do anything stupid. We've got to stay in the bubble because they have this NRL bubble. They had a house party with 16 of them there in, or like, you know, a lot of them there in Wollongong. Um, the police got called. People were just darting out of the house. Jack DeBellin, who almost just went to jail, was hiding under a bed. <sighs> and he first, and he, he lied about it. And then he said, oh, no, actually, I was there. Now, part of me is like, that's, as a, a, like a, a guy in my 20s, I'm like, oh, these guys are sick cunts. That's funny. But as a Dragons fan, I'm like, what are you? They, they were looking promising. They 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 were definitely um, could have made the eight. They were never going to win it this year. But man, it's um, pretty pretty disheartening for a for a Red V supporter. Yeah, but dude, at the same time, very NRL. Yeah, yeah, they're fucking legends, <laughs> but. <laughs> Hiding under a also, bed. Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and dude, it's so good as well because it's like a classic five-year-old hiding spot. <laughs> yeah, there's like, like a 30-year-old man with kids and he's hiding under a fucking bed. Oh, no. To escape the cops. <laughs> 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 yeah, look, I got to say, I'm very impressed by that story. It's just, it wouldn't be NRL if you didn't have things like that happen. It, it would be rugby union. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd have their own private party in someone's estate. Um, but yeah, that's a very NRL thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Um, all right, so... Let's get into another question where then it, it's sort of touching on, on things that we talked about in the last podcast. I like this question. It's a good one because it's something I'm um, concerned about as well. So this question comes from, all right, it's a common name, so I'll say the name, uh, Tom. And he says, uh, does buying shares slash investing in the company 
mean you take the ethical responsibility of their actions, even if you have no control of it. If you are invested in an index fund, does that mean you take the ethical responsibility of the top X companies in the world? If every company is unethical to some extent, does that mean to be ethical, I shouldn't invest? That is a really good question because part of me thinks, well, in a multi-billion dollar company, if you have a couple of shares or so, you know, a couple of thousand dollars worth of shares, yes, you have a very small part ownership. So you could argue that um, some of that moral responsibility lies on you, but you're so far removed from any of the um, control procedures and the management decisions that it's easy to abdicate that responsibility. But I think it's worthwhile to to always look into the companies you're investing in and you, you can only be so ethical if you're investing in big corporations, but there are definitely much more ethical corporations that you can invest in than, than others. And there are now index funds that sort of, there are ethical index funds or, you know, index funds that track leaders in um, renewable greenhouse technology so you're actually then you could you can make an argument that your investment is an ethical investment so it is it's 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 complicated i think there'll always be some degree of responsibility that you're taking on board and, and to be entirely you know void of any ethical responsibility you, you probably would have to avoid investing altogether in major corporations. But Jordan, what do you think? I think this is the same argument that people put for uh, taking a job where they're doing something evil and they always say, if I don't do it, someone else will. Now, Bill Burr has a really good response to that, which is like, that's the dance of the devil right there. That's the song of the devil, sorry. And I think he's right. As soon as you say that, you are justifying what you're doing um, and trying to find an out for it. And I think that, yeah, you're not wrong. Someone else will be doing it. But here's my counter argument to that. That doesn't mean you should be doing it, especially when there are ways to make more money and leave a good impact on the planet. That's definitely possible. It just requires a little more uh, creative thinking, which is good to develop anyway. And it's the same thing when it comes to shares. When people say, yeah, yeah, am I, me investing in that is not going to uh, change that company's policies one way or the other. I'm just getting off the coattails. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely true. You're not going to be changing that. But I'll tell you what you will be changing if you invest your money into a company that's doing good you'll be giving them a little more power. And most of the time, these are startup companies anyway that have a big trajectory of growth. And a lot of these companies, if you look at it, really what they're doing is not that risky. It's just, say say you're a solar company, for instance, you're not going to be as established as AGL, who's had a 100-year history. You, you've just started out in the last 10 years, but the propensity for growth there is ginormous. Now, the thing that people say of like these are blue chip shares and they're all there. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. 
but you're also capped at how much that you will be making off that because they're always just going to be going up like little incremental pieces anyway. So it's not a great investment. It's one of these like, oh, you know what the other thing that I don't like about those investments, it's a real I'm settling in life attitude that I don't like. I think that if you are going to live, it's, it's actually Eleanor Roosevelt's life of like life is a daring adventure or nothing at all. Like don't settle for that oh, this is a blue chip, oh, this is a job that everyone else does, it's safe. It's an illusion anyway. Like these things, especially in this day and age, the way that technology is advancing and how globalized the, the world is, companies that used to be extremely blue chip, something like Bank of America, for instance, it crumbled. Like it had 150 years of doing that and then it just went down like that. A lot of these things are just... The, the safety is the thing of like, this happened in the past. Well, as we were just discussing in the last podcast, we are going in a world that is technologically exploding as well as the climate mm. is changing rapidly. We are going into a world that is moving faster and faster and faster. And so I think that uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. And in fact, if anything... I would actually put myself as an example of that, of if I took the road traveled, I probably wouldn't have a job at the moment. Probably. Most of the other ABC comedians, if I did, I'd be earning, you know, maybe a tenth of what I'm earning now. And I'm having a huge impact. And I'm earning more. So where's the downside? All it took was a little thinking outside of the box. And okay, I think it's so the same saying... when it comes to investments. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make that link there. And I just want to reiterate that there are uh, index funds that if you want to just not take on really risky investments, there definitely are index funds that just track ethical companies and whatever that standard of ethics is. Uh, oh, yeah. Is, is diverse and you can look into there, There's just index funds for everything now. So if... Uh, the ethics of the corporation is your major concern. There's ways to still invest in, in safe, diversified options that still allow not only you to feel um, ethically responsible, but to actually have a positive ethical impact on the world. Mm. Completely agree. I think, yeah, I, I shouldn't have even mentioned that. You're right. There is ethical index funds. Um and then the other thing is, I'd say even that when people say that's more of a risk, well, look at the current trends because we don't live in the past, but in the in the recent past, something like Future Super, for instance, beat all the other superannuation funds. Uh, th this would be the same with a lot of index funds, I'm assuming, that all of these blue chip index funds, they're probably getting performed or even outperformed, matched or even outperformed or you know slightly under, so who cares anyway? of the the risky ones hmm. so it, one... but again it just takes a little bit of extra thinking as opposed to your, your grandma's advice of get shares in bhp you don't yeah. have to uh there's one there's a beta shares climate change innovation etf so that's e-r-t-h on the um asx that's its code that was one I'd just seen a few days ago, and I noticed it. But that it, it, let me actually look at what it's. Uh, 
100 leading global companies that derive at least 50% of their revenues from products and services, services that help to address climate change and other environmental problems. All right, so it's not it's still only 50% of their revenues. But they, look, the point is there are definitely um, ETFs and other funds that should satisfy your ethical criteria, um, but also share the risk because it's a fund and not just one company. Mm. Mm. But again, that's not either of our area of expertise. Um, no. There are plenty of uh, investing podcasts and we're, <laughs> we are definitely not one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ethereum. Yeah, I Doge, think you're right. Dogecoin. Get on the Dogecoin. Fuck. Do you have any crypto shares? I feel Me, like I'm the one Christ guy me. in my 20s that just doesn't have any Bitcoin. Just don't fucking trust it, man. What is this? Miners I... fucking mining on computers. What the fuck? I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm a dinosaur, but it was explained to me. It does make sense, but I mean, it's gone up so much. If if you invested in 2018 in Bitcoin, it, it, it you know, you've like, and you've held on to it, it's at least 10 times what you invested already. It's just really, it's going up a lot. And then Dogecoin was like a meme coin. Like, what kind of economy where like you can literally make millions of dollars off a joke? Having said that, we are comedians, but a joke investment that was meant to be like a satire or something. That's what Dogecoin is. It was meant to be a joke, making fun of the wild speculation in cryptocurrencies. And it's it's gone up. Um, people have made a lot of money. I know Tom made a lot of money from it. Jesus. But it's... it's... Uh, Look, it's that getting I know beyond people, a meme, isn't it? It's a bit sad. Yeah. I know people who are millionaires um, from investing in Bitcoin and they're, you know, in their early 20s. So, look, there clearly is money to be made. But uh, something about it, I just don't... <sighs> something about it just um, feels weird. But, again, maybe I'm the guy who's like, ah, television? No, I prefer the radio. <laughs> That's probably me. Nah, man, I think you're fucking right. Like, no, look, I think they're right, actually. I don't know. It's just there's too many people that are doing it uh, that have made so much money that are much smarter than you or I. I was talking to a couple of them the other day, and they're just, yeah. there is a bunch of genius neats that have been sitting at home in their mum's basement and haven't had time to leave their mum's basement despite the fact uh, that they're worth like eight figures. I know I, I was talking to a guy that Oof. is worth eight figures. He went from living in his mum's basement to still living in his mum's basement, but he has eight figures and now he just buys fucking Rick and Morty NFTs and shit with his, they're, they're weird people. It's pathetic. It's like, you know, that thing of people yeah, always pointing out that, uh, you know, when like black people from rap and, uh, uh, boxing and shit, get heaps of money and then they just spend it all on flashy shit and then they're broke again because uh, mm. they came from like nothing and so they just waste all their money on tacky crap. Yeah. That's what I think happens to these needs. They're kind of 
dudes that otherwise would have no social skills whatsoever and just be sitting at home gaming, but then they just got into Bitcoin heaps. And so now they just, instead of buying Ferraris and pimping them out, they just buy NFTs. But it's the same And when you shit. say got into, got into Bitcoin, there was nothing to do. You just had to like put your savings into it three years ago and it's those savings have now multiplied by 10. Hmm. So what was the actual skill? What was the actual oh, I'll craft? Tell you the, the craft. It's, it's, specu- it's, it's speculation. The people who, whoever that Japanese, well, if he even exists, that Japanese guy who came up with the, the code and, and the idea of digital currencies, that, that, that's, that's pretty remarkable. But the, these people who are like, oh, I'm a genius because I just put my money in this thing that a few other people were putting their money in and now I'm a millionaire. I don't know. Maybe I'm just jealous. No, 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 no. I think in general, you're right. And it's mostly just stoners and lazy cunts that sit around on Reddit all day. But it's, I would just can't, can't contend it to the stock market as in most people in the stock market are just dickheads. But there is the select few unicorns that outperform index funds routinely. Of course. And it's because they're geniuses, right? And I think it's the same thing when it comes to Bitcoin. There is just a, a few neat nerds that really know what they're doing and it's just again because they're hyper intelligent but i think that hyper intelligent people in any field figure it out yeah they're well. always, they'll always exceed um what's a neat uh no education no something no training no employment no education no, education. no training <laughs> oh yeah that's a that's a disaster. Oh, well, it could be a multimillionaire. There you go. Um, yeah, have you heard of this new, there's a new uh, smear for uh, millennials and it's a uh, Chugi, which is apparently uh, all the sort of fashion and cultural trends that were popularized maybe five to 10 years ago. So uh, those sorts of millennial phrases like, mm, I suck at adulting or, uh, always talking about avocado on toast or just like I did a thing and, and just, which to be fair, they're all very cringy, but that mm. kind of basic girl uh, memeology from say seven years ago is now being called out by 21 year old girls on TikTok as chuggy. That's the new uh, smear for millennials which to be fair we don't really we we are in the midst of a identity crisis because for a, 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 such a long time we were the we were the young ones we were driving culture we had our uh, grand ideas about morality and and how to change the world and now a lot of us are just in the normal rat race and, and gen z can see the hypocrisy and and how lame a lot of us have become um so you know what i'm kind of on their side Millennials have become really lame. Dude. I got to say, I think we were ahead of the trend. Yeah, because you always, you you and I have actually. We made a career off of paying out our generation. Yeah, yeah. We have that same mentality. So that's why I think I did so well on TikTok. And so many of my videos that I posted four or five years ago are, are doing even better on TikTok years later because that tone and that and that sort of very sort of sort of caustic cynical 
aggressive delivery that that um, catches on with Gen Z. Yeah, no, Gen Z, I do think that they're a much better generation. Actually, I was talking to my editor about this and it was, he, he kept, this is the thing that they don't understand. You, you have to be lenient on our generation. You really do. And we have to be a little more lenient to Gen X, even though I think they're the scum of the earth. I think that the worst generation is Gen X, then Gen Y. And then I think the boomers get too much fucking shit and uh, Gen Z's just God's people. But uh, the reason that they are that- So far. So far. But I think it's just because, like what I was saying before, they grew up with the net and they grew up in a world where all the information was available to them, right? But our generation didn't have that. The thing is, we're kind of in between our two generations because we can't, we, we, we were forced to go into the net. So we understood it at a level that most of the rest of our generation didn't who went in and got jobs and they didn't really grow up with the net. They sort of use it and they're a lot more net, net literate than say Gen X or, or, or the boomers are, but not like Gen Z. And so when they were always saying, for instance, something like as basic as self-help, he was just saying that their generation is very receptive to the idea of self-help. Whereas in our generation, there's a lot of people that are extremely dismissive of it. And, you know, that's snake oil salesman shit and all that kind of stuff. And it's because when they grew up, like the basic implement of, if I don't know something, I should look it up was kind of just ingrained into them. So their whole life is sort of just a self-improvement because they're constantly looking up how-tos and all that kind of shit. So it's just in there. You can see it with the same thing as I think that Gen Z in general uh, has much better fashion sense than we did. And it's again, because they're just like, there's Instagram pages and catalogs and shit and like, you know, people that just like, look at this, this is, this is, good looking and and like looks nice and that kind of shit. Whereas with us, it was kind of just like, yeah, Fred Durst has a red baseball cap. You should get a red fucking baseball cap. You know, there was, it took mm. a lot of effort to be fashionable for our generation. Whereas with Gen Z, it doesn't okay. take much effort. And so, so we had very centralized artistic and, and, and fashion establishments. Everything. Still ultimately under corporate control. Whereas, uh, the the internet has diversified that and exposed Gen Z to uh, a lot more sources of information. Yeah, it's also given them a lot of mental health issues, though. Uh, if if there's ever a war, it won't be Gen Z that are going to save us. It'll probably be the boomers in their seventies yeah, and eighties. They'll roll up their sleeves and do it again, won't they? No, yeah, dude, let's be honest. It'll be the fucking golden generation. Whatever's left of it, just all these World the, War the II vets just being yeah. like, oh, round three, eh? You know. one of them is the silent generation one of them is the greatest generation because there's the generation before boomers is is i think the greatest generation and the generation before that is called the silent generation i think i'm just google that actually Mm. well they must be dead the silent generation i mean there's a few like still kicking you know that i think it went up it it started it, it ended in 1920 or something like that so um Let's have a look. Silent versus greatest generation. Greatest generation are the parents of the baby boomers and the children of the lost generation. Oh, those who grew up during or came of age during World War I. They preceded what is known as the silent generation, a cohort between the mid 
1920s to the early to mid 1940s. Okay, so silent generation would be like my grandmother was born in 1933, so she's the silent generation. So like depression shit. Yeah, they were kids during the depression, mm. and they 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 were maybe like teenagers during World War Two. They might may not have actually served, but a lot of them maybe did serve. Because if we're talking nineteen twenty eight, no, they would have been too young to serve. Um, I mean, there's always that that one story of like fourteen, fifteen year olds that get past the age test. But uh, greatest generation of people who were ch- who were probably kids during World War One probably served in World War Two, and, and then sort of endured the Depression and then everything else throughout the 20th century. So they that's probably why they're called the greatest generation. And then and the yeah, lost generation yeah. must have been the one before that. This is cool. Let's look up. Um... Okay, yeah. Silent Generation, 28 to 45, 1928 to 45. And then Gen Alpha is the one after Gen Z. Gen so, Alpha. Fuck. Yeah, and that dude, starts. They're, they're that you know, little kids C- now. Wow. Imagine how enlightened <laughs> Gen Alpha is going to be. Their kids are going to just be on the cloud well, dude, you know what else is scary? Because I have people, I have friends now that have kids and it's really creepy because they have the internet. Mm. Uh, they know how to write before they enter school well. Uh, really? They know a second language just because they watch little kid shit of just like, let's learn French, de plume. You know, French well. They just get interested Wait, in really? something. Yes, dude, because there's so much kid-focused shit on YouTube keeping your attention that they're just... The internet makes you a lot smarter than just sitting on your ass playing in a sandpit. But again, it's the same thing as you said. It gives you mental health things. And the other thing that I noticed is they're not really into anything tangible. They sort of just live in the nether regions of... They're, they're cyborgs almost, Gen said. So think about Gen Alpha. Hang on. Good God. Dude, just just before we uh, get out of here, because we've only got like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever, I just wanted to make this one point. Sure, is, sure, just, yeah, because uh, we'll sort of... Go from locus of control. Vacillated between all sorts of things, yes. Yeah, yes, was, because we were though. touching on that in the last podcast, but um, let's talk about the locus of control. I just uh, recently rewatched Jordan Peterson... He was just on my, uh, he was just on my channel, and he was the thing that he was talking about with climate change was so. I hate, I hate that Reddit bubble again, our generation mostly, that Reddit mm. bubble that are always attacking Jordan Peterson and are so smug about it. And the main reason that I hate it is because you just know they're not a better person than Jordan Peterson. If they were, they wouldn't be attacking Jordan Peterson. They'd be too busy doing things in their life, right? But anyway, um, the thing that they're always going is just like, he he doesn't believe in climate change or whatever, which first off, don't care if he does or doesn't. Um, I'm sick of this argument. that's not actually what he said. 
in that video, that's not actually what he said. He just said, what are you going to do? What are we actually going to do about it? We need more minds. Uh, he, if, if it's the video that I've been, that I've seen, he's, he's, he's sort of addressing the, the fact that like, well, what are you going to have, just have no kids? I think we need more intelligent minds to deal with this issue. And what are you going to do? Just turn off all your uh, devices and anything that has an energy source. It, it, he was basically just outlaying that it, 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 this is an incredibly complicated issue and it's hard to exactly mark out the trends. Uh, but in, if, if we're talking about that video, in no way did he actually deny climate change. Yeah, exactly. Like, Again, th th they can make that argument, but I'm just saying theoretically because I got the same interpretation that you did. Theoretically, if they're correct, I don't care. The, the main point that he was making is so much more important than like if you believe in climate change or not. It's it's actually I'm sick of it. I'm done with that argument. I'm done with people being smug about it. It's the same thing as when people were smug about God. It's gone way too far. Yeah, okay, you get the climate change exists. What are you doing about it? Probably fuck nothing. You're probably still with a shit bank. So shut up. Like you don't get to sit there and say anything. But the, that main thing that like, that's one aspect of it. But the other thing that the main thing that Jordan Peterson, I heard him say that I just like a light switched on. And I thought that is an unbelievably important point. It's the most important point about climate change that no one else ever talks about, which is there's so many environmental problems it's not just climate change and there's heaps of environmental problems that you could fix you personally so why the fuck are you sitting there just being like oh the ipcc report came out and you can't do anything about it why are you focusing on it what is the point what are you doing there you're debilitating yourself you are stopping the world from having somebody that actually like does care about the environment ostensibly from doing something. And then I was talking to my lawyer about it because we're getting some advice about the thing that we just released today with John Barillara. John Barillara is trying to turn Mount Kosciuszko in case you didn't know, basically into a fucking car park. Um, it's, it, you know, mm. one of the most unique environments Australia has, we've got very little Alpine environment in this country, very little snow capped mountains, like natural native Australian grass plain that all exists there. Important carbon sink as well, because it's just so soil rich. Wiping it out. No fucking reason you could stop it. And I think we are basically because we just got so many submissions that the parliament's going to have to look at. And the th shit that he was doing was sneaky anyway, just saved one of the most important national parks in the country from being turned into asphalt. Huge win for the environment, massive. And it didn't take much effort. And even if it does go into that, it's just like, I don't know, like I'm kind of, sorry, I'm like yelling at the moment. Like I'm more angry at myself. It's just like, I can't believe I didn't think about this before. Why are we spending so much time and effort convincing people that climate change exists? Like you do what you can in your circle, which is influence your friends to switch over to ethical investments to switch over to a good superannuation, switch over good bank, get, get, uh, you know, like, uh, um, uh, solar panels. And if you can't do that, just get onto power shop. There's a bunch of things that you can do in that sphere. Anyway, you can influence your friends to be doing that. But then the other thing is 
There is all of these massive environmental things that are huge that do not have, I don't know, hundreds of billions of dollars from the fossil fuel industry getting pumped into the public to stop and stymie progress on. Like with uh, Kosciuszko, for instance, what is it? It's like a couple of losers that do pony tours that are like, yeah, we want Brumbies here so they can just kill off the, the local wildlife there. That's the special interest that you're competing with. And so... I mean, thinking, it's, it's, how easy is that to beat? So easy. And so I've just been thinking about it more and more, and I've just realized, like, I don't know, dude. I, I feel like a lot of my life is – I'm glad that it's gotten to this point, but I think I'm at the point where I can start doing lawfare, where I can just be like, hey, they're trying to do this. This is an easy environmental win. All we'd have to do is get some shit-hot lawyer – Everybody just chuck in a buck. We'll fucking save this national park like that, like that, because it really, there'd be all of these lawyers that would be very willing to do something that isn't another land contract that know the law very well. And you can just, you know, like Bernie Sanders and Trumpet all the time. Just like I was thinking about it, 200,000 people watching, they're all chucking in a buck. You're winning huge victories massive victory and like anything that like gives you the shits you can just be like i didn't realize this but it's just because i've been i really should be thanking john barillara for this but he's introduced me to the world of law and you realize you can frustrate a lot of shit in the courts and massive companies do it all the time with like local councils right they'll be like we want this massive suicidal tower that goes into the stratosphere uh, we want to build it next to like these residential areas. And then they say, you can't do it. And then they go, oh, okay, we'll just take you to court. And then the council just thinks, ah, oh, fuck it. It's not worth our time. Just build the fucking thing. You know, you can do the same thing to developers. You can just turn around and say, here you go. Here's a court case that you have to fight before you start building this shit. And that could take them years. And so usually they'll just drop it because time is money to them. And they'll just be like, oh, well, okay, we'll just move on to the next thing then. This is what I'm talking about, right? Like right. the, the, fight the them overall at their own game, huh? Beat them at their own game. Fight them at their own game, and you're also able to control things in 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 your well, like you were saying, locus of control, right? Because having an intellectual win with someone on on the internet and feeling like you're part of a tribe that's winning would be great for your self esteem. But what have you actually done? What's something practical and tangible that you've actually achieved? Whereas what you've done is clearly a win for the environment. It's something that you're able to um, influence. Look, if, if the carbon in the atmosphere is 450 ppm by the end of the 2020s or where, whenever it's um, projected to, what can we actually do about that? But look, what you can do is uh, prevent a car park being built on um, Mount Kosciuszko. And... Yeah. Which would, if a lot more people started doing that, it would then have a, a, an exponential effect. An exponential effect. This is what I'm talking about. Like, okay, you're not in the same position I am. You don't have access to a, a 500,000 audience. That doesn't mean that you can't have like little environmental wins, even at like local council level or something. You start with your little locus and it expands from there. Um, but that and which was Jordan Peterson's point and you're right like if more people started doing that that is a huge cuz look 
I, I learned something recently. I'm not going to go into what I think you can guess where this is going anyway, though. But like recently, I learned from a, a really good investigative journalist that if you if you look at it, the Liberals have just Swiss cheese all the environmental laws in this country. Nothing, there's no actual environmental laws. You can just work your way around anything if you've got the right consultants. There's nothing protecting the environment at all. Uh, in lieu of that, like every single victory that you have in that environment is is a massive, massive win that starts building up on itself because in the legal system, when it comes to common law, all the precedents basically are law. You know, like precedents kind of set law. So you're creating your own laws. And so it's just like, it's this big switch moment of this whole time I've been trying to change the government. Well, if you can't do that, you, you really don't need a government if you're getting enough court cases going on concurrently. It's it's exactly what you're talking about. Like now that is at my locus of control because I've got that. You're not at that stage if you're listening probably, but you are at a stage to be doing something. And this is what I'm saying. Like these things all add up. They do add up and it's it's just a lot better than just, and this is something that I've, I was talking about on my self-help channel as well. I really think it is a loser mentality in life to just be focusing on, even though I do it all the time and I've made a career out of it, it's extremely hypocritical of me talking about, but I'm learning the errors of my ways. Focusing on things that are too big, you shouldn't focus on. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. It's a waste of energy. And I think it's just what losers do. And on top of that, you don't even know what you're talking about most of the time. I think that's a a thing that people understand about Jordan Peterson intrinsically. And that's why it's usually little shits with daddy issues that are terrible at life, that don't have something, that don't see some value in the man. Like everyone that I know that kills it at life likes Jordan Peterson. Everyone I know that's a pathetic loser hates him. It's, it's it's almost it's it's almost you know one to one every fucking time like at least at least like that. there'll be some people that are like I don't agree with everything you share but they'll be like yeah he's got merit though you know he's clearly can, an intelligent man that phrase can we rid that out of the culture scape well I don't agree with everything this person says but so who on the planet do you agree with everything they say is there a single person on the planet that you agree with everything they say it should be implied this is a different human being to me I don't agree with I'm doing this podcast with Jordan I don't agree with everything he says this is that's such an obscene um implication you should never have to even make that I know you're right. You should never have to prefix defending someone with, well, I don't agree with everything this person, or like, well, some of the things they've said I don't agree with, but yeah, you're so that right. should it's be so implied. Dickety. It should what be implied. Weird, that implies that the person, the people who say that, there must be people out there whom they agree with everything they say, and that's pathetic. That, that's really yeah. pathetic. I mean, there's a single person out there that's doing all the thinking for you. We both love Jordan Peterson, but it's it's implied. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't, I'm not even going to say that anymore. And any sort of controversial figure, everyone has to sort of start with that, don't they? Um, look, I haven't agreed with everything this person has done, but in this situation, I'm on their side. When have you ever agreed with everything a single person has ever done in their life? I'm sure if it got down to it, 
there'd be things um, who I'd agree with when it with you know the villains of history. Something as if it came to every little thing in the world that you could possibly have an opinion in. Well, I don't know. Maybe Hitler likes pineapple on pizza. Well, fuck, that's something I agree with Hitler on. Yeah. Maybe Gandhi doesn't like pineapple on pizza. Well, there you go. I don't agree with Gandhi on that. Like, just such a horrific mentality to just have to this guilt by association. Like, obviously, that's a very hyperbolic example there, but like this, it's it's so stifling for debate because people are so afraid of being associated with someone who they think is part of an immoral or unethical tribe. So even with all those articles about you, well, look, Jordan has definitely said some things that I don't agree with, but in this situation, I'm defending him. It's like, why do you need to say that? It Shouldn't that be implied? I just don't understand. I just, it's, it defies, it, it's just, we're trying to create some sort of utopian idea of perfection where everyone it is there's just this uniformity and everyone have has the you know these perfectly accepted rigid views and 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 that's the moral position we're, we're going back to this sort of puritanical age where everyone has to have the correct moral posture on any issue and if they don't on even one issue, you have to you have to sort of you can agree with them, but you have to distance yourself from them. You know, well, look, I, there's a lot of things Ben Shapiro says that I don't agree with, but you sh- you shouldn't have to say that. It's so obvious to me. I'm sick of having Fuck, to like preface so right. any sort of defense of someone on the internet with, well, I don't agree with that, really, but you have to do it because people sort of assume that you may be a bad person. You may be some sort of radicalized alt-right lost man because you 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 know you just slavishly um, dogmatically look up to some of these figures and 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 don't question anything that they say. Now, obviously, you sh- if you agree with everything any one person says, that's a problem. You need to look into that. So I shouldn't have to preface any sort of defense of anyone with that mantra of oh, well i gotta agree with everything they say it's such a dumb thing to say i'm i'm sick of it man no you're I'm right so sick of it it's actually you know what i never even thought about it before but every time i hear it it subconsciously irks me i'm glad you said it because you just kind of let it fly by but i'm not having it anymore I'm sick of it. It's true. It's just the sign of that's the whole thing that I hate about it. It's group thinky because they know that there's like some tension there. And so they go, I don't agree with everything. But also the other thing is you're not saying what you don't agree with. And every time you do like say that I don't agree with everything, you just stock standard listing out the fucking standard list of uh, this person is bad for these reasons. Like you're not nothing. There's no original thought in it at all. It's like the entire thing is just this little unconscious uh, bow to the group. That's what's pathetic about it. It's just like that little thing there is an acknowledgement that you are cattle. Just yeah. that thought. It's it's a little thing a, that goes by. It's a sort of it's a despicable lack of awareness of the human condition and its imperfections. Because if you look through your life and, and even at, at your point in your life now, if you can look back and say, well, I agree with everything I've ever done in my life, well, then you're probably a narcissist, okay? There's things we've all done that we regret. There's things we've all said that we regret. Uh, so it, 
to sort of imply that there should be these perfect moral actors out there and anyone with an audience needs to abide by this sort of rigid progressive moral code it's naive it's impossible and 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 you're not looking at the just the the, the true diversity and the complexity of human beings no one's ever going to say uh you know have a perfect view on everything or, or, or sort of have these ideas that you agree with 100% on everything. But there's not a single area of nuance that you may disagree with someone. I think, I think the problem isn't with these controversial people. The problem is with people who actually listen to, to um, people with an audience word for word. And that, and that goes for people who maybe do accept everything Jordan Peterson says blindly. But at the same time, people who maybe accept everything, well, I, I don't know, Tanahasi Coates says blindly. Like you, you just, there's no such thing. You, those are the people that are problematic, not, not the people who may have some unsavory views to you. Anyway, rant over. Fuck, no, but it's so, fuck, you're right. It's, it's such a good point to hammer. I don't want anyone who listens to this podcast to agree with everything we say. Because yeah. then you're not a free thinker. You should be listening to this and, and oh, well, I don't know about that. Well, I disagree with that. That's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. Except when I say 50 cents is... And you know what else as well? Every time they ever say like... Correct. Oh, yeah, they did, yeah. Except when I... Don't ever question that. (laughs) You know what else is annoying about the... uh, It's it's actually an extension of the I don't agree with everything they said. It acknowledges that, but you know what else it's always an indicator of? They're regurgitating a point. They're regurgitating a point that is acceptable within their social circle to agree with that person on. So it's not even unoriginal thought in that. I don't agree with everything I said. The, the whole fucking thing is just this, you know, uh, predisposed insert uh, opinion here. Like there's, there's nothing original in that whole thing. When you actually think about when they always say, I don't agree with everything you said, but that, but, is always something that they've heard other people say and they go, oh, this is acceptable to think. It's Fuck, it's so it's bad. Just, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, um, well, and then at least, at least if you're going to say that, well then put it on the table. All right. I agree with him on this point and I disagree with him on this point, but don't just put this vague accusation. Well, I don't agree with everything you said, but well, well, all right, be specific. What is it that you don't agree with this person on? Yeah. Frustrating. It is frustrating. Actually, you know what? I'm glad that we've got into it. You have to do that. Yeah. And you shouldn't. I'm not, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. No. And it's, it's, I'm not, I don't think I've ever done it actually now that I think about it because I I think that, yeah, I've, I've never actually thought about it, but every time I've heard it, it has just irked me. But there's a lot of things that people say that irk me, but it's always that the thing that always irks me is whenever you think I've heard someone else say that, which means you haven't thought about it. That's every time I hear that, that gives me the shits. 
And that's another reason that I like Jordan Peterson a lot is because a lot of his points, he's clearly a creative man. He phrases things in a way that at least shows an original flair. And even the point Mm. of, yeah, but you're not focusing on all these other smaller things. Great point. Great, great point. And you never, ever hear it. So, yeah, look, all I'm saying is that I think, I think, yeah, we're just coming to the same thing. Is just like you really should respect original thinkers. You really should. You should be in awe of those people. You should never, ever get into that mentality of people that just shit on them because your group shits on them. It doesn't matter if the person is out of your realm and you don't agree with, you know? Like, dude... It, it, if you see a mind that is freer than the average person, you should be aspiring for that. Hmm. That's the thing that I think angers me about people that hate Jordan Peterson. It's like the, the lack of respect of the intellect of that man is again, one of those things that I guess we're getting at here is like a, what you think you're better than him. You're not better than him, dude. You know, like, I can almost guarantee that you have done less for this world than that man has. Almost guarantee it. Having never met you. It's it's Puritanism. It's That's what's occurring. It's kind of what I was talking to you about uh, last week after that podcast we recorded, where people who espouse these very progressive cultural ideas which is often the case not always this is happening on all sides there are there are people who are like rigidly attached to their tribe and i think they need to feel that same locus of control that you're talking about and they do that by finding public figures and commentators that say the exact things they want to hear and they don't examine it critically and they just worship them like a like a sheep. Um, but this is historically a, a very culturally conservative mentality because it's all about in-group purity. Mm. It's all about in-group purity. Mm. Mm. And show me a society where uh, in-group purity has run rampant and that has, and that has um, bode well for the society. That, that's just show me one. It's kind of just, it, it's a law of nature. It's like how a mutt dog is genetically a lot stronger than a purebred dog. It's the same thing with ideas, isn't it? It's it's like an, yeah. a, a society that has just ideas. You know what? For instance, in Africa, because I just got suckered down that documentary line that I was talking about with the, which I thought was sick, the desert people that are kind of, like real life Dune characters, but uh, it went down further. And then they started getting to African countries that are just going through that population explosion. Yeah. And you'd ask them about why they're doing this, why they're having 15 kids, despite the fact that medical science has got them to the point where maybe two out of the 15 will die instead of 10 out of the 15. And you ask them and they'll just be like, because it was done in our tribe this way before. 
And then you say, yeah, but look at your fucking village now. It's not even a village. It's a small city. And they'll be like, and they will keep doing it. There's no, yeah. there's no flexibility of thought at all there. It's just locked in. Despite the fact that circumstances have changed around it, nothing has changed because there's no diversity of thought. None. Which I suppose is the big argument as to why, you know, you go to a metropolitan city like, um, even though it's so wanky, like London or New York, let's just use them as like prime examples, right, for the moment. The fact that there's everyone from across the globe in there you're going to see these big cultural changes. Like when people say, I remember a Londoner once mm. actually said when they came to Australia that it was like going back in time five years from London. It's again that fashion thing, right? Of It, it, it took that long for it to travel down from the provincials because all of those ideas were happening up there because there was just more people with different backgrounds. But if you go to uh, you know a, a town that doesn't change at all circumstances will change and you just will not have the different perspectives there to make you meet that challenge properly it's maladaptive to be that rigid in uh your adherence to traditional norms now there is something to be said where you you need to sort of respect um the cultural practices of the past. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and a society that just um, throws out all of those uh, previous bastions of wisdom can divulge into chaos. Okay, this is just like me re reiterating what Jordan Peterson says, really. But at the same time, if you just obsess over this in-group purity, and are just openly hostile to anyone who may have even just slightly different thoughts to you. First of all, for the overall aims of whatever that cultural or political movement may be, it's totally counterintuitive. It's it's sorry, counterproductive because it will just uh, it will fall into sectarian fighting, which is what happens um, and seems to be happening. Um in sort of previously strong political and cultural coalitions. They're now just splitting off into different tribal groups because they're just so upset because people just want something to hold on to. You know, this is the way I think this is the way I see the world. And, you know, if you, if you think slightly differently, there's nothing I can learn from that. That's, that's an assault on who I am. But you know, that, and I'm not trying to. Say, it's it's not it's not unique to one side of politics or one side of culture or anything. It's 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 ubiquitous. We we, we are really are in a period of chaos. It's a closed mind. That's it. It's you're right. It's got nothing to do with. It's got nothing to do with ideologies. It it really is just somebody who's not like. Look what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast to bring it back. Your friend that said which is insane that the ABC is so inbred that they don't understand that Australians like sport. Like that's a fucking inbred culture right there. And then he comes in and says, let's talk about AFL and their immediate reaction is like, no. While we were sitting there and saying, I don't know anything about AFL. Tell me about it. It's, it's really that simple, isn't it? It's just like when those people come together, 
those people that are just like that, for whatever reason, not interested in, you know what it is? It's, they're not interested in learning. Mm, mm. Because learning could mean that their ideas, which they've built an identity on, could be wrong or at least flawed. And that's too confronting for them to handle. A lot of these people may also be suffering psychological issues or just very, very low in self-worth. Because someone who's high in self-worth, there's this idea that, you know, you need to be this sort of badass bitch and, like, you need to be a boss and you need to be an alpha and that's someone who's confident and, and, and is sort of high in self-worth. No, people I know who are truly confident and um, seem to be higher in self-worth are curious and they're humble and they're inquisitive. And there are certain hills that they may die on. But more often than not, they want to find the best version of another person's argument. And they have a willingness to learn. They're open. Openness, which was, you know, historically always a, a, a liberal trait, but it's lacking. How many people, how many groups are truly open? And I know we have these buzzwords, you know, diversity, but where's the diversity of, of thought, of ideas, which is what you're talking about? Well, look, I think the whole thing is, though, that I think we're just older, Neil. I, I think... This is just a human trait. I don't think it's. It might. It might have been exacerbated by the internet, but you know what? I looking at Gen Z. I don't think it has. I think that Gen Z is a lot less tribal than we were. I, I, I think that it's just. You know, there's. It's. It's almost. It's human nature to just be like. As you were saying, this it is. is me. Yes. So it's just. It's. It's you, something you that you should be fight fighting against. against it. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. like what you were saying when. You said that I don't even see that there's a conflict in those two things. When you're talking about a culture that when, when people say this is tradition and people just poo-poo that and go down the other way. No, I think that part of that diversity of thought is people saying, no, this worked in the past and it's still working now. You know, that's, that's, and, and sure. being, uh, accepting that as opposed to just getting into the group think and being like, no, that's all wrong. And then, and, moving on to something that's ridiculous that's also part of well, group think what should be a part of any uh adaptive and successful culture is there has to be some sort of mechanism within that culture that allows space for evolution evolution of ideas so it should be a tradition that your culture is continually changing Yes. To a moderate degree, not to a degree that feels chaotic for the people who may um, be observing that culture, but to me, it, it does seem productive to have some uh, degree of adaptability in any culture in the same way a business needs to continue to evolve and adapt. A person needs to continue to evolve, evolve and adapt. You know, successful countries, successful nation states are evolving. They're adapting. Successful species are evolving. This is this is a, a very natural law. It is, isn't it? Like I, I just recently did a self help video about 
the uh and, and you can see it you can see that people actually are even hostile to the idea that are the people that we're talking about of adaptability when you point out something as simple as the fact that yeah okay uh in general covid has the numbers don't lie it's been devastating for the economy of the globe and australia and locally and people have lost their jobs that's true what's also true is there's been a bunch of industries that have started in covid and are thriving in this environment but what's the difference the difference is that those other businesses aren't as adaptable as the new ones that are coming up right like so give for example the fact that we moved on to the internet we grew up in the internet and I understand that this is kind of happenstance and like what we're always saying, we're just much luckier than people, comedians in the nineties, which I watched your thing, by the way, it was sick. Um, Thank you. But it was a really good history. Everyone should actually check that out. It was actually a really nice summary of that little piece of history. Yeah, that, that means a lot. Thank you. It's just a video on the, on the channel that uh, this podcast will be going out on if you if you watch YouTube. It's called the uh, the Rise of Australian Internet Comedy. Yeah, but thank you. Appreciate yeah, it, that. It, well, yeah, it, it it did actually. It's as you were saying. It is. It, it's nice that someone got that on the record and showed that something. I like the fact that it, you know it, it had its own little Australian flair. It's good that it was there. It's good that it was there. But again, it's kind of the same people that I think would have been the peak of the generation before us. They they had a different way through, and that was it. And as a result of that, the fact that it's the internet, that it's more instantaneous, we kind of grew up on it. So when it comes to this and we're doing our little podcast, the fact that we're on the internet, it's not that much of a stretch for us to just go on to here because we had to be adaptable in the beginning to ride that wave of the technological change that was happening. There's an adaptability there. Now, when you explain that to people, you hear over and over all these people going like, you're just a rich YouTuber. You don't know what it's like for the rest of us. But the thing is, where the fuck do you think we started? Where the fuck do you think we started? We started like everyone else. It's just that we had inquisitive minds and we had a work ethic and we were trying to find a way to make things work and we were willing to drop things that weren't. That's what got us to that level at the beginning. Whereas other people are just, you know, sorry to bring this back again, but the other comedians that are on the ABC, they saw the way that it was and they tried to stay in that. And they, as we were saying in the previous podcast, they are convincing themselves that this is the way to be where they're just treading water and they've trapped themselves mm. in there because of that identity. And it all comes down to no adaptability, but Neil in and I could context? very easily be those people now, but we, we had that trait. Um, I just, I just want to, um, in what context are we talking where the, the people are calling you a, a rich YouTuber? We're we talking about, because that look, this has been a very, um, a severe shock to the economy COVID. so it is forgivable um for people who are uh struggling i will say that 
I do also agree with your point that the businesses that have been able to thrive and the people that have been able to thrive are adaptable. Uh, where do you draw the line there? Where do you, because I'm sure you would still have some empathy for people who say just, you know, lost their job through no fault of their own and yeah, you know, Look, are in that situation. And again, this is not, I, this is as like always micro and macro completely different things. I yep. understand that the average person is not going to be exposed to self-help, but you are exposed to it because you listen to our podcast. So you personally don't have an excuse. I understand that it's tumultuous and that you could have been a victim of your circumstances. And this is an unfortunate place, but the thing is you just need to understand. And you would know this if you kept going into self-help, that life has winters and summers. And you just got hit in the winter, but there are other people, but everyone got hit in the winter and some people are thriving as a result of that. And, you know, you can sit there and say, but I, uh, you know, I, I have all of these other mitigating circumstances that make my winter true. And that's definitely true. You did, but you also say that you're 30 and someone else is 30, just like the superannuation ad where someone was going up and the other person was staying there. You had the same amount of time on earth as the other person. The difference was you weren't listening to self-help. And so you weren't getting that adaptable mind or for whatever reason, you don't have that, that adaptable mind. So you can sit there and you can retreat into yourself and say, you know, like all these circumstances are making me a victim in the situation, which is probably true, but it doesn't mean that, that, that you stay there. You start adapting. You start looking at your life and you go, okay, I'm here now. Like, look, I have been in very low points in my life financially. I've not always been a rich YouTuber. I've most of my life been a very, very poor man. But the way that I got out of it was by doing these things. And so I'm not having this thing of like people saying that it can't be done because of X amount of circumstances. You will find, even if someone says, I've got kids and I'm a single parent. Yeah. Those are huge, massive weights. That's true. But what's also true is that there are other single parents that have thrived. There are countless examples of that. You hear those stories all the time. If you need them, you can go to the internet for inspiration. Your circumstances are not the factor that determines like the trajectory of your life. It might, uh, you know, it might dictate your reality now and you can choose to stay in that reality, but you can get yourself out of it. And so mm. look, all what we're talking about here is developing a mindset. Yes, Neil and I, it was easier for us because we were single, uh, we were young at the time and uh, you know, like no one was really expecting anything of us and we didn't have any dependence on us. But again, looking down the track 20 years from now, do you wanna still be using that excuse? Or do you want to be moving your circumstances out of that? Because every little decision you make is either keeping you where you are or it's moving you up. And if I you're think, in that I, situation, you have to be more economical with it. Like we, we kind yeah, of, we I, could fuck around a lot to get to our position. Like, it's just, if you're older, it's like, you know, if you're, sorry, I'll let you, but like, if you're older, you know how you always have this thing of like, man, if I had to do the HSC again, I would fucking ace it, you know? And it's not just because, you're older and your cognitive faculties have developed. It's also just because you've kind of got less of those chat 
teenage habits that we were talking about. The same advantage applies to you if you're older and you started this stuff now. It's just like, yeah, okay, you don't have youth and energy on your side, but what you do have is a lot of experience and a lot of like, oh, okay, I can actually sit down and focus for longer than five seconds. You do have advantages, but sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I, I think it's important to draw the distinction, I suppose, from having compassion for people who have had to endure arduous circumstances through no fault of their own uh, versus having pity for them. I don't like having pity for anyone, but I, I, I try to be as compassionate and empathetic as I can. But I, I would never sort of encourage a victim mindset or a victim mentality. Yeah. And, and that's and, the way. And to it. me, there's an important distinction. I think you can you can be compassionate, and I, you know, my heart does bleed for a lot of people who have, particularly small business owners right now. Man, small businesses are the people who have just they've really been decimated uh, by all this. And you can donate to charity out of compassion. You can take what you could call ethical action out of compassion, but but doing it out of pity, responding to someone who may have a victim mindset or mentality, that can actually divulge into tribalism, coming back to what we were talking about half an hour ago. Well, that's how those tribal, like a lot of those things always Increases- do, they, they kind of crystallize in grievance, don't they? But go on. Yeah, yeah. It, that, it, there's a group ide- identity that forms around an open hostility towards anyone in the out group because they feel like their in group is being um, notably oppressed or notably targeted. So there's yeah. a, there's a sort of collective victim mentality. You know what? Actually. Pernicious. I heard Albanese say this the other day, and he was so right. One nation, what is that? It really is just a party of grievance. It is. It's just a party of victim mentality. It's it's just like, you know, Australia was one way, and now it's not that way anymore. And it's like, yeah, okay, but that's not a political party. You know, that's not a, a, a vision for the future or, or anything like that. You're just sitting there and, and pissed off that it's not the 70s anymore. Like, yeah, these are yeah all there's those... definitely those aspects to it. It's also, would you say that it's a sort of, it's, well, there's a emerging populist wave all throughout the Western world, really. I mean, in, in Europe, a lot of those one nation Brexity type parties are gaining a lot of notoriety and a large part of it is based in in grievance but coming back to what we were talking about in i I suppose the inequality of opportunity episode there are policies that have disproportionately affected um working class people and i would never say they have the right to feel that extent of grievance and to have a victim mentality but I think there's an outcry of people whose voices haven't been heard and that is manifesting in the popularity of, well, whether it was Trump in America, Pauline Hanson here, um, some of those uh, populist parties in in Europe. I don't know if you know much about the 
politics of of Europe, but a few of them are. I mean, Marine Le Pen is, I think, the favourite to win the French um, election either this year or next year, although it's quite close between her and Macron. Yeah. But see, here's the difference, though, right? Like, Le Pen, I don't agree with everything she shows. Look, I don't know too much about it anyway, but, like, look, it's not even that. Like, exactly what you were saying. Fuck it. Like, I, I don't care about this shit anyway. I probably actually disagree with Macron more on shit anyway, but, like... The, the uh, I don't know enough to know, but Le Pen actually has a vision for France. That's why she's there. She's actually offering alternatives. But Pauline Hanson, the Greens, a lot of these fucking like minor parties, all they are is just protest votes. It's just for people to be like, you're all fucked. Fuck you. That's really what you're saying there. And it's just, it's like an immature, what we were talking about there, insular, silly way of looking at life where you, again, you're just going into this victim complex thing. Like go, vote for the Greens, vote for One Nation, vote for Clive Palmer, all of those parties just prey on that of like, this isn't good enough. Well, what what are you, what's your alternative? This sucks. You're a fucking teenager. Le Pen, so, on the other hand, I, isn't. I, look, and like, I'm not, yeah. look, I'm not well-versed in, in the, the exact policies of these, these parties. So do they not have some sort of uh, vision or, like, policy outlook or plan for Australia in 10 years? You know, you know if, if I went on to – if I interviewed Pauline Hanson or uh, what, what's his name, Di Natale – is he still the leader of the Greens? Yeah. That, look, okay, the Greens yeah, is guy. different, but the, the whole thing is that they just prey off of – well, like I know that politics is a lot more negative. The Greens would be a lot more different because they'd be, be constantly painting this ideal picture. Um, but that's the whole thing, right? Like they're just putting nice little ideas in uh, uh, that appeals to a certain demographic. They'll be doing that because they're usually uh, courting a more educated voter. The average Greens voter uh-huh. is the most educated and uh, uh, well off out of all of them. But again, just because you're educated doesn't mean you have common sense. In fact, as we were saying before, usually the smartest people are, are the dumbest because they're just smart in one fucking field. Or And that's the whole thing is just like mine is politics, which is why I just realized what a fucking con the Greens are really. But like um, when it comes to Palmer and One Nation, yeah, they'll, they'll have a couple of things there where they'll just be like, I don't like privatization. I don't like all these foreign companies coming in. But really, when push comes to shove, they don't abide by their ideologies anyway, their, their proposed things. The reality of the situation is it's just 90% negativity. That's what they're attracting their vote around. They're attracting their vote around the, the idea of that's really what's happening there, really. The Greens are sitting there just saying that, really, this is the undertone. They'll, they'll be like, we don't like both the major parties. But really, what they're doing is just trying to skim votes off the Labor Party. I don't want to hear this 80% preferences bullshit. It doesn't matter. They're, they're constantly sitting there trying to win seats off the Labor Party. So who cares if their preferences go there? They're doing damage to the entire brand of it. Deep, deep structural damage where they can't get the primary vote that they need to get in. Um, but yeah, they're kind of, if, if they're selling something, it's just like a idyllic picture in the future. 
The other ones aren't. The other ones are kind of just the, the grievance thing. The genius about Trump, the genius about Trump was that he was doing both. That was awesome. Because he, he's like a real estate agent at heart Supposedly, or a real estate yeah. developer, wasn't he? He was always just being like, America was better. Amer just It's implied in the, it was such a genius slogan. It's implied in the slogan, make America great again. So it was good and I'm going to make it good again. But how is that different to what... Uh... One Nation is doing when they, they, they don't just outwardly say, we're going to make Australia what it was in the 70s, but that's what is Im implied, wouldn't you say? That's what's implied. But, you know, you look at anything that they're saying, and it's the point that Paul Keating was making, which is that, like, you know, he did a bunch of cuck things of just like, they're racist and all that stuff. But he, he his main point was that their entire their entire point is just like harking back to a time that doesn't exist anymore. And that's the real sin of that party is just saying, but, but how essentially is that, like, okay, how's that different to make America great again? Because he, and that's what I'm saying. Like he was, he was stoking a grievance in America and he did that spectacularly mm. well, but he was also doing the real estate agent thing of just being like, and I'm going to make it brilliant and it's going to be the greatest I'm going to make America so okay, good, okay. you know, like he was doing constantly. Don't you reckon he was all, he, he made that contrast so good where he was just, you know, my, my opponent, no one did it as simply as he did. This is the basics of politics, but they always get lost in nuance and they're all academic nerds, but he really got the whole thing of just very basic language. My opponent is the worst fucking person on earth, the worst, and I'm the greatest person on earth. <laughs> yeah, he really simplified it. Didn't he? Okay. Yeah. So he played <laughs> into the grievances, but still, but had a positive feel to what he was doing. He, well, he had both. I he get just that. was able to do both. And because you very look at like your Paulines and yeah, like Pauline and, and Mark Latham, and it's just, they're just whinging all the time, whinging, 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 whinging. Now, Trump had elements of that, but he was also very charismatic. He'd just throw a few jokes out there. He was used to being that showman. He was a, he was a reality TV star. It's in his blood. And that is where the difference comes, I think. Completely. There was... You're right. It, it was the charisma that was there. There was a different feel to them. And the difference is that when you see the other, when, when you see those ones, it's all they have is complaining. That's it. And sorry, mm. to, to go back to that point, uh, that mentality of constantly complaining for no reason I will admit I'm guilty of it. I've tried to atone for my sins with the self-help channel. I'm trying to atone for my sins now for coming up with solutions more. Uh, yeah, like I, I really think that those two things go hand in hand. Grievance, an insular outlook on society, puritanism, all of those things come from that same petty, narrow worldview. 
a worldview where you don't want to be expanding it. You don't want to be expanding your worldview. You want to keep it like that for whatever reason it is, as you were saying, probably insecurity. Strong words. I like that. Uh, I think we'll wrap this one up there. Uh, we both went on some pretty passionate spiels there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it was bad. Started off talking about what are we the footy? talking about? No, your fucking diet. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you getting, I'm getting fat? fat. <laughs> no wonder I got angry at the end. <laughs> yeah, what's all that salt? It's all that added estrogen with your body fat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, If you'd like to send in a question, uh, neilgohacker.com slash podcasts. And once again, Tom, there definitely are um, ethical options for you to invest in. Uh, I would recommend looking into um, other YouTube channels or people who are experts in that field um, and I'm sure they'd have some great advice. Get some CBD oil, crush organics with a K, use the code Neil for 40% off. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Thanks heaps.